Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Welcome, everyone, to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. My name is Ben Smith, and allow me to introduce the Mandalorian to my Grogu, Curtis Wister. How are you doing today, Curtis? I'm doing great, Ben. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I just came back from Disney, so we did a whole like Hollywood Studios. You got to throw it in Of course, in everything's there. Mandalorian, Grogu. That's right. But um, So we are on episode 65, right? That's right. We are. This is, this is the number. So <laughs> what's one thing that every person in the United States then becomes eligible for when they reach age 65? It's a big one. And that's Medicare, right? That's right. So we thought, well, again, we, we had to wait 64 episodes before we had have a conversation about, about Medicare. So we, we've been very patient, but our show now is, uh, is if it was a person, it would be a, a Medicare eligible at this point. That's right. So we've talked to Elizabeth Newport about Social Security. Uh, we had a lot of feedback from our clients, our listeners, and our friends. Just there's so much they didn't know about the ins and outs of Social Security that we said, you know, we also have to do that same thing for Medicare, right? Mm-hmm. And we really wanted to talk about how do we access Medicare? What are the steps to applying? Mm-hmm. What are the influences of paying more or less for the benefit? Right. How do we access Medicare as we age? And how do I find the right mixture of Medicare coverages for me? And then also we wanted to get into what mistakes do people make when they're on Medicare? Mm-hmm. So that was really the premise of today's show. And again, we're 65. So it's, it's time to have these <laughs> we conversations. Made we made it. Yeah. So, you know, as we, we always like to do, we, we reach out and find an expert um, in the field. So obviously today um, we, we kind of have someone that helps educate the public on how to maximize their Medicare benefits. So today's guest is the Community Services Manager at Eastern Area Agency on Aging, or as you'll hear me say, we're going to call that EAAA so that I don't uh, butcher that that name there. Um, so she has worked at EAAA since 2018. Uh, before joining EAAA, she spent 13 years working within the mental health field. She has a passion for working with adults, providing education and assistance to find ways to improve the quality of their life. Uh, she strongly believes in EAAA's mission and work they do within the four counties that they serve within the state of Maine. Um, when she's not working, she's enjoying her other passion in life, which is being a mother of two. They keep her busy, and she can confidently say that her life is never boring. So with that, I would love to welcome Jamie Alexiev to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, Jamie, we um, have a lot to cover around Medicare, right? This is this is not just a very small question that we have to ask. There's lots of different angles, lots of different things. And I know you're out there in the public routinely talking to people about helping them understand basic to advanced uh, Medicare here. Mm-hmm. So we want to talk about that. But we also want to get to know you a little bit before we get into that. Love to hear about your experience growing up and what's been your connection to Maine. Well, I was born and raised right here in Bangor. I attended and graduated University of Maine. I've always worked here, so I'm a Maine girl. Go Black Bears. Uh, (laughs) Go Black Bears. Uh, And even attending Black Bear hockey games as a little girl with my dad. And, you know, Maine roots grow very deep. Uh, Certainly traveled in other states and uh, other countries, but uh, my heart belongs right here in Maine. Although, you know, there's a few times, a few days during the winter, I kind of wonder why I'm not moved to Florida yet. But... (laughs) Um, maybe when I turn 65, that will that opportunity will will be there. But. I like that. Um, and you know, Ben and I are are both also uh, kind of born and raised Mainers here, so you you fit right in mm-hmm. with this conversation. Um, mm-hmm. I want to ask: Can you just talk about your path towards working for the Eastern Area Agency on Aging? Sure. Uh, as you said, I I spent 13 years in the mental health field. I learned so much, and it's what my degree is in, and 
being in various roles, you just, you gain so much experience. Uh, but I really found myself having to take a step back and, and needing something different in my career and needing to shift and take what I experienced and grew in and shifted over to another agency working. It's still working with adults because that is my passion. Mm-hmm. And I knew about Eastern from my, my mental health background because sure. I would, uh, transfer people over here for Meals on Wheels. And mm-hmm. when we do outreach, Meals on Wheels is one of the programs that people know us most about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew it was a great agency to work for. It's just the passion that I see and hear with the people that I work with, what we what we do for the community. It's just a great mm-hmm. agency to work for. For sure. Nice. Well, Jamie, one question we always like to ask is, again, people that we're, we're bringing on, we know are just passionate about what they do. They really love and they find purpose from their uh, from their work life. So question I want to ask you is, what do you love about your job the most? Well, it, it's going to sound cliche, but I do talk, I enjoy talking about Medicare. And, you know, when I first started training, I would tell people, I'm going to make your eyes glaze over. But I could talk about it all day, uh, but I, I really, truly, it's, it's, it's one of those positions where I get up and I enjoy so much what I do. It's kind of that cliche saying of, if you enjoy what you're doing, you're never going to work another day in your life. And I really, tr- truly feel that I've been lucky enough to find that position for me. It's been a great work-life balance. And I come in, I'm able to enjoy what I do, work with the people that I work with, and then still go home and yes, be that mom to my two kids. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's awesome. And I'm thrilled to hear you enjoy talking about Medicare because that's where we're going right now. (laughs) Um, So I want to kind of kind of rotate in and dig into, um, we'll call it the this experience of claiming Medicare benefits. And I have kind of a list of questions for you here. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll just kind of go one at a time. Um, So kind of right off the bat, when should somebody reach out to Medicare to discuss claiming their retirement Medicare benefits? Typically, we tell people within six months prior to turning 65, we do have people that call here a a year before they turn 65. There's really no wrong answer as long as it's prior to 65, because it's not something that happens automatically. And there is what's called an initial enrollment period, which is seven months that surrounds your birth month of turning 65. Okay. And for people that are looking at retiring at the age of 65, it's crucial because a lot of people have employee benefits and employee insurance, and Mm. you want to make sure there's no gap between your employment ending and your Medicare beginning. So what we tell people is we offer what's called a Medicare 101 presentation a couple of times each month. It's a free class that people can attend. And that's where we go over the basics of this is what you need to start doing when you need to start doing and how to start doing it. Jamie, so you make a really important point there. So, because I think that's that's been a big question we've received is, hey, is it the year in which I turn sixty five? So, if I'm, you know, December is my birth month, and you know, I'm turning sixty five in that year, is so your your point? I I want to make sure we got the highlighter on is, you know, seven months kind of around it, but also to your point about, hey, I'm going to retire in May, right? Or I'm going to retire using that same example, December. So I'm going to retire in February, then maybe, maybe I need to kind of be thinking about coverages around uh, those months after working, maybe before Medicare. So I think those are, those are really important points that you just brought up there. So I just want to highlight that. Yeah. uh, Using December as an example, uh, your initial enrollment begins, it would begin September, October, November, within those first three months prior to turning 65. So that's when Social Security looks at you as Medicare eligible. Mm -hmm. So those first three months, you can call and your Medicare could begin December 1st. And what's great for people to know is it doesn't matter when in December your birthday is, whether Mm -hmm. it's the second or the 27th. Gotcha. You're, if you call within those first three months, September, October, November, it begins December 1st. Gotcha. gotcha. And for people who, there are people that say, you know what, I, I, I want to work until I'm 70 or I, you know, I'm not ready to retire. Sure. What's, there are two key words. It's called creditable coverage. And what we tell people is even if you're 
Medicare eligible, you've turned 65, but you're not ready to retire and you have creditable coverage through your employer, mm-hmm. you can get a letter that says your insurance is creditable coverage. And whenever you're ready to retire, you can then call Social Security and enroll into Medicare without penalty because they could come back and say, well, what have you been doing for five years? Because mm, for sure. five years, you've been eligible. What have you been doing for insurance when you could have been taking Medicare? Gotcha. You can present that letter of creditable coverage and said, say, I've had employee coverage that waives penalties. And then your Medicare will begin whenever you, the next month after you officially enroll. Hmm. Great. That's, that's good to know. So back uh, kind of to my little checklist here. So we talked about when, um, so now I want to talk about how. So how does someone go mm-hmm. about scheduling an appointment uh, with someone to discuss Medicare options, right? Do they reach out to Medicare directly or to an agency um, like EAAA and yourself? They can call 1-800-MEDICARE, uh, but we a lot of people like that face-to-face one-on-one contact mm. or that just, you know, they can call us directly and they're not going to have to push 10 buttons before you talk to a real person. They can call us, talk to a real person and get some questions answered mm-hmm. and feel as though you get kind of that personal touch. of you're hearing me, I can kind of tell you my story of my scenario and get questions answered. Uh, But for people in order to enroll into part A and B, you do have to call social security Mm -hmm. and enroll through them. But sometimes people call us and they say, okay, I know I'm turning 65 and then at six months, where do I start? What's that first step? And we can break it down, mm-hmm. send you back out to do make those phone calls, come back in and we'll walk you through the next steps. Awesome. Um, and then just kind of a technical question here. So I, I, mm-hmm. I think that's certainly something I think that pe- clearly people do it is reach out to you all and, and kind of have that personalized experience. Is that kind of consultation meeting? Is that something that has to be done in person, right? Obviously, the last couple of years, we've all kind of rotated to a, a virtual world there. So is that something that can be done? Like, I know you reference phone calls. Is that in person? How does that kind of work? We offer appointments uh, face-to-face or in person mm-hmm. by phone or by Zoom, you That's know, awesome. where we cover uh, four counties prior to COVID. We would go into the communities and meet with people at various locations for those four counties. Mm-hmm. Zoom's allowed us to continue those appointments through the pandemic. And we'll continue Zoom um, mm-hmm. even after all of this has, has settled a little bit more. Um, but for people that live in the area or they come to Bay more frequently, they can choose to come into our office or we can just call them by phone and answer those questions that they have. That's fantastic. Um, and in terms of those conversations and meetings, is there any cost or anything for anyone to reach out to you all to kind of get that guidance? There's not. It's completely free. Anywhere from the 101 class that we offer to our appointments or counseling appointments, it's all free to the public. And we tell people just because you come in once doesn't mean you can't call us again. Come in as many times as you need to or annually as you need to. And there's no cost. Gotcha. And then kind of the last question on my list, I know we answered kind of the first half of it there in the beginning, but it's when does Medicare coverage start, right? So say I'm turning 65 in April, want to claim, does it start uh, in the month in which I turned 65 or does it start in that year? Now, I know you just referenced that seven month um, kind of window there, but is there anything else there you, you want to explain further? And then if not, I can kind of keep going, but go ahead. Sure. I guess one other thing for people to know is there are certain scenarios and and there are so many, it wouldn't wouldn't make sense to get into all of them right now, but there are what's called special enrollment periods. So if there are various uh, reasons, uh, people can enroll under a special enrollment period. Gotcha. Okay. And then the last kind of piece of this question I had, um, so obviously uh, working with a benefit like Social Security. Um, if we wait to claim Social Security, obviously you can earn a, an increased benefit there. Is there any benefit to using private insurance instead of Medicare? I know you talked about if someone like continued working, for example, can you mistakenly claim too early or too late? Um, is there any way to kind of cause yourself harm there with with kind of the the date in where, which you enroll? The biggest thing that we see is, uh, I'll use the example of you have a couple and one is turning 65. They've both been on the employee coverage mm-hmm. though, and the coverage has been through the person who is turning 65 and they get on to Medicare. Gotcha. The person, uh, their spouse who is, let's say 62, they're not eligible yet. Mm-hmm. And what are they left to do? A lot of times people will access marketplace yep. for those next couple of years. 
What we tell people is if you're enrolled in marketplace and then you become Medicare eligible, there's nothing behind the scenes that makes that disenrollment enrollment automatic just because, gotcha. you know, you marketplace and Medicare don't talk. Sure. So, and if people are accessing subsidies through the marketplace and then you become Medicare eligible, they will, uh, the penalty for that come tax season is pretty steep. So we tell people if you're on marketplace, uh, make sure and your Medicare, you know, you have a start date for Medicare, make sure you're officially disenrolling. And mm. then a few weeks later, call them back and double check that they sure. disenrolled you. Yeah. That's, I, that's could, I could see where yeah. that's, yeah, I could see where that's really important mm-hmm. where people could just go, Hey, Medicare. And I assume they're just going to take me off yeah. my, the yeah. marketplace. And I, and by the way, you're receiving subsidies to be on the marketplace mm-hmm. and that could be problematic. So that. That's a really good tip there, uh, Jamie. So I want to ask a question about, again, being, if I'm getting ready for Medicare, I don't know anything about it whatsoever. Lots of alphabet soup, mm-hmm. right? There's uh, there's differences. I hear part A, part B, part C, part D. I got Medigap. I got things like that all being kind of talked about. Can you just give me the the 10,000 foot um, stratospheric view of what are all the differences between the parts? And then like, what's this meta, meta gap that you hear about? Sure. Absolutely. Cause I can tell you uh, previously to come to Eastern and not being trained in this, I remember thinking, why do we need so many parts? Why can't we just have it one thing? And yes, all these things? Exactly. But now yes, that I'm exactly. trained and I'm doing these interviews, it makes perfect sense. Right. So it's a very valid question. Uh, so I guess the, the overview is you can really think of it as kind of a bracket of how it breaks down. So Medicare has starting off has two options. You have original Medicare and you have Medicare Advantage. They're both under the Medicare program, but they don't cross over under original Medicare, which I believe, uh, the majority of the people, I want to say it's right around 80,000, uh, 80% of people in Medicare are in original Medicare. That's what they choose is best for them. Hmm. Don't quote me on that, but I do okay. know that the majority of people- In your experience? <laughs> in yeah. my experience, yeah. the majority pick that. So under original, you have part A, part B, part D, and a supplemental or what some people call a Medigap. Okay. Part A is what covers your hospitalization. Part B is what covers your outpatient services, your uh, durable medical supplies, your flu Mm. shot, those types of things. Your part D is your prescription drug plan. And your Medigap is what covers the gaps of A and B. And one of the more common questions people ask is, okay, if I have A, B, and D, why do I even need a Medigap? And what we break down for people is when we show them the gaps of A and B Mm. and really hone in on what the costs are and what the gaps are, it really opens their eyes and they say, yeah, okay, now I get why I need to carry a a pretty much a secondary to Medicare Mm -hmm. uh, because those costs can add up very quickly if something were to happen. Mm. And then the other side is the Medicare Advantage. Sometimes people do call that a part C, but what Medicare Advantage does is it takes A and B and D and it makes it all under one uh, insurance plan. And you kind of get all of the services under one plan. And for people that are on a Medicare Advantage plan, you do not qualify for a Medigap. So those gaps of deductibles, co- coinsurances, co-pays are on your shoulders. Gotcha. So, it, so it's really then on you to kind of figure out kind of those, like, here's what makes sense for me personally for the risk I want to take mm-hmm. and also what I can afford and kind of what's what's that there, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that's right, kind of where I want to go with my next question. So obviously, we want to talk about the cost of these coverages. So and I know kind of generally here. So what is the process to figuring out kind of, I know you touched on it a little bit, the breakdown um, kind of expenses, but how do I figure out what I need for coverage versus, you know, what that cost is going to be to me? Sure. Well, let's kind of splitting it up still, you know, let's kind of looking at both uh, original Medicare and then Medicare Advantage. So with Part A, your hospitalization, the premium for Part A is free for people that have worked 40 quarters. And if people are unsure, that's a that's a figure that you can get through Social Security by calling them or going on their website. But it essentially is 
40 quarters equals 10 years of employment. It doesn't have to be full-time or part-time, and it doesn't have to be consecutive. It's just 10 uh, collective years of employment. And your premium is free. But with Part A, kind of going into those gaps, there are prices for a deductible. There's um, prices for inpatient costs. Um, if people need to go to a skilled nursing facility, there's co- there's additional costs. And if you haven't worked your 40 quarters, there are uh, premiums, uh, a, pr- a premium price attached to that. Uh, so we tell people Part A can actually get very pricey very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I know when I do the presentation, I tell people kind of this is the slide that you want to kind of look at and let that ingrain in your brain. Because when we talk about Medigaps and you're sure. questioning why I need this, this is why, yeah. because if you go to the ER a lot, or if you go into the hospital, those costs add up very quickly. Uh, for instance, inpatient, I think is right around after 60 days is $389 a day. Skilled nursing facility, I think if you're in there after 100 days, all the costs are on you. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's very pricey. Part B, your outpatient services, right now the premium is $170.10 a month. And if people are higher earners, that's um, you're put on what's called an IRMA and you, it goes up from there. So a, a, a single person, if they earn more than $92,000 a year, they're going to be, ha- they're going to have a higher premium for a couple that earn more than $182,000 a year. It's going to be a higher premium. Gotcha. And then with part B, the cost, the additional costs are Medicare pays 80% of your part B. And then the person is requ- uh, responsible for 20%, which is another one of those gaps mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that a Medigap will cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, Part D costs can vary. I've seen premiums as low as $7 a month to $100 a month. Mm-hmm. And Medicare.gov is a great tool that we w- use with people because you can plug in your prescriptions. You can pick up to five pharmacies and it breaks down what your pharmacy costs would be. Hmm. And it really varies because, you know, the more common meds are going to, and generic meds are going to be very inexpensive. The inhalers or the newer meds are going to be pretty pricey. Um, And then Medigaps, it varies. We have in the state of Maine, I believe 26 companies. It is very closely monitored by the Maine Bureau of Insurance. Uh, but we have various companies that can sell different types of plans depending on what you're looking for coverage. And like with anything, if you want more coverage, it's going to be a higher premium. So Jamie, I want to go back to what you were saying here a little bit about that four quarters of Mm -hmm. uh, employment. Mm -hmm. So I could see situations where, again, where we as financial planners working with people, there's enough situations where you had like a couple and one of the spouses working full time and then one of the others that didn't right as they mm-hmm. they maybe they had children early on and they don't really have 10 quarter uh, 40 quarters of uh, of employment so when they get to 65 you know one of the couple has that already but the the other wouldn't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but essentially, so I guess what, I, what I'm just asking here is in that situation, that person then that doesn't have that that level of a, of a threshold, they haven't been employed for that duration for the rest of their life, really, if they're if they're then then retired mm-hmm. along with their spouse, they're going to have then elevated. It's not going to be covered. It's not going to be free at that point to them, even though, say, even their spouse passes away at some point, they still would have that that cost. Right. Well, actually, no. And and I'm glad that you caught this and answered, uh, asked this question, because if somebody is married and they haven't worked 40 quarters, they can go off of their spouse's 40 quarters. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, because I, I know there's lots of wrinkles when it comes to couples, mm-hmm. especially when we, we had that with Social Security that became a, um, well, claiming on each other's and all that. So that, that, thank you for kind of clarifying that part. And I want to ask another question about cost, right? Mm-hmm. So we kind of covered like, here's some structures and, and cost drivers. One thing that we've seen when we have retirees in, and again, we're again, a lot of what our show is and our podcast, right? Is like, well, what do you want to do in retirement? What are the things that you always look forward to and the things that would actualize your retirement being more fulfilled, the, th- the things you always wanted to do travel across the country. So for example, I want to tap into a retirement fund. Like I have a 401k an IRA, whatever. And I take a hundred thousand dollars out to buy the RV. Mm-hmm. And I know with inflation, maybe that hundred thousand dollars should be way more. Yeah. 
but so we want to do the fun things. I want to travel. I'm going to do all that now. And I'm 66 years old. But what we've seen is these types of withdrawals generally increase their taxable income. Mm -hmm. And can you talk a little bit about how maybe increases in taxable income can impact Medicare premiums in the year that they take withdrawals or in future years? Sure. Yeah, I can see it really mostly impacting Part B uh, because of, you know, that higher earner, you might find that in that taxable year, Social Security is going to come back and go, well, wait, well, now you're going to be in a different uh, mm-hmm. income mm-hmm. brackets. And so, you you know, for the next year, your premium is going to be higher. And I mean, I can't, I certainly can't speak for Social Security, but that is some, if somebody were to come to us and ask, then we would say, okay, if they're going to put you in that higher income bracket, then you can talk about and say, okay, well, if I'm not going to do this again next year, then is, what is that going to look like about reducing back to that normal amount? Yep. You know, as for the other parts and even the Medicare Advantage side, I don't off the top of my head, I don't see that that would be an issue because it's really, you know, A is pretty much set in, in its hospital costs. Mm. D is really your prescriptions and your types of, of prescription is, is what drives the price. And Medigap is really, you know, the prices are already set sure. by the company that covers them. Okay. Sure. Yeah, that's very helpful. So what, uh, what questions do you wish people would ask about Medicare that people typically don't know to ask? Well, I know I have to say, I have to give a lot of credit to the people that we serve. They are full of questions. And when we do presentations, they, a lot, you're always going to have a, a few of them that have just come in ready to ask every question. Sure. But I will say that one thing that we really w- wish that people would ask more about is our, the Medicare savings program. Mm-hmm. And that's for people that are under a certain income guideline or and under an asset limits they can qualify for this program that helps pay for their premiums and it reduces their drug costs. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple different levels and the highest level actually prevents people from needing to get into a Medigap um, because all of your Medicare costs for the most part, not all of them, but a good chunk of it is paid for. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes people, they hear that it goes through the DHHS eligibility and they go, okay, well, I don't want anything to do with DHS. Well, it's, it's a different program. It's not main care. Yeah. It's not, you know, adult protective services. It's strictly a program that works with Medicare for people that are saying, you know, I, I can't afford people sometimes come in and they say, okay, well, I didn't realize Medicare was going to cost so much. I paid all my taxes all my entire life. I thought it was going to be automatic. It was going to be free. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So when they really start to look at the cost, they're going, how am I going to heat my home? How am I going to pay for my mortgage? How am I going to put food on the table? So that's where we kind of take a step back and go, okay, so what's your income? You know, what are your liquid assets look like? You know, help us help you because we'll be more than happy to walk you through and submit that application process. And I, so many success stories of people going, wow, I didn't know that this program existed. And now I can keep my home. Now I can buy the Christmas presents for my grandkids. Now I can go fly out to Texas and see my, my daughter that I haven't seen in five years. Yeah. That's what we kind of wish that people would not feel that, you know, there's, it's a judgment-free zone, Mm -hmm. you know, we're here to help you. And that's what we, we want people to know that those there's programs out there to help them. So Jamie, I think this is really helpful, especially from a, Hey, I'm getting ready. And I'm, I'm thinking about maybe the first time I, I apply for Medicare, um, I'm electing coverages, but of course, then if you look forward, like the next year, the next year, there's enrollment periods is what mm-hmm. we're understanding. So almost like what we're used to with the, with the organizations we work with or for, that there's enrollment periods for healthcare that's happening annually. So there's obviously, as we age, we have to continue to assess uh, where our health is to what coverage we might need, maybe projecting in the next 12 months, right? Mm-hmm. So so really, this is an annual review type process at the, at the very least that mm-hmm. we should kind of be going through. So I guess my question to you is, Jamie, how do you advise people to adapt their coverage as they age? or as their medical needs changed. So do you see a pattern in what coverages, 
you know, so again, I know we're talking broadly in, in a, from a very stereotype typical approach, mm-hmm. but broadly, do you see a pattern in what coverage is need, needed by age bands or by declining health? Well, we, we see a little bit of everything in the sense of, you know, once people learn more about Medicare and what to expect in the prices, that's when the wheels start to turn and they say, okay, well, you know, I, I travel a lot and original Medicare, I don't have to worry about in-network doctors. So that's going to be best for me, kind of back to the RV. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, I want to go and do things. We have people that who are very healthy. They're going, I, I never go to the doctor. I'm on very few meds. I'm willing to take the risk and do the Medicare Advantage because they could save money. And then they just know if something happens, I have an X amount of dollar deductible because mm-hmm. we really hone in on what are your budgetary needs? What are your medical needs? But I also tell people there's no wrong answer because sometimes after a year or a couple of years, that makes sense to be in a Medicare Advantage plan. People are going, you know, I have a knee surgery coming up. My doctor's telling me um, I've got a hip surgery or there's cancer treatments I have to travel to Boston for. None of us have that crystal ball, so to speak, when it comes to our medical needs. But if somebody's in a Medicare Advantage plan and they know that things are coming up and then that's going to be more costs on them, they can switch back over to original Medicare. Mm. If people start off in Medicare and then they're going, you know what, Um, this is a lot of money for premiums each month. I'm fairly healthy. You can go over to a Medicare Advantage plan and you can, you have to, it's biannual and you, you know, you Mm -hmm. can't switch whenever you want to, but there are certain enrollment periods to do that. So it really can uh, benefit your needs. We have people that they're fairly healthy. They have a knee surgery. And then, so they, they like the Medicare Advantage plan, but for the knee surgery, they go over to original and Mm -hmm. then they go through the nursing and the rehab. And then they go back when they're all healed, they go back to a Medicare Advantage plan. Mm -hmm. You can somewhat cater it to your specific needs. So, so Jamie, uh, is there examples where, so stay again, I'm in a relationship, me and uh, my spouse together. Do you see situations where maybe one of us is like Medicare Advantage and the other one is maybe old Medicare? So we're mm-hmm. like, because I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, I have a surgery this this year coming up and I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking about my out-of-pocket costs, but my spouse is healthier and doesn't anticipate any changes and might want to see. So can you kind of vary by person as well that way? Absolutely. In fact, we you need to do that when it comes to, to Medicare because it's not a family insurance. It's mm-hmm. not a one catch-all and we do see spouses that for couples that one is in Medicare Advantage because for whatever reason, and one it has to be in original Medicare. And we tell people, you have to look at your own specific needs because we all have, we all have various medical needs and we all are on different medications. And that's something that you have to really hone into your, you have to contour it to you. And sometimes people will call us and go, well, my neighbor or my husband or my coworker said this, this is a plan that works really well for them. That's great. That's, that's, that's what we want to hear. But just because it works great for them doesn't mean that it's going to work great for you. And here are the pros and cons. And, you know, one thing I didn't mention before is that we don't contract with an insurance agent or a company. So when people come see us, we're giving them unbiased education. Mm -hmm, So we're going to break down the good, the bad, and the ugly with no, we're not going to steer you one way or the other. We're going to just say, take that information you're giving us and say, these are your options. These are your choices. Mm, I like that. I'm glad you you clarified that point. Um, I have a quick question uh, as a follow-up to Ben's as well before my next one. So I know you mentioned um, in terms of people adapting or changing their coverage, I know there's it's an annual thing. Is there any restriction on, I know it's probably a strange hypothetical, but like is there any amount of times you're allowed to switch or modify, you know, throughout your, your Medicare life, if you will? I would say I, I'm not going to give a flat no. Okay. Um, and it's just because there's so many other deeper, you know, scenarios mm. and, and eligibility. Yeah. But for the most part, I would say if people really genuinely need to know or have a scenario that they want to run by us, just give us a yeah. call. But 
for the most part, we see that, you know, people, we don't really see a lot of people switch because yeah. they can kind of gauge what's going to be best for them. Sure. And, and a lot of times people are very quick to say, I want this. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Um, and with drug plans, there is an annual, it's our busiest time of year in the fall is there is the open enrollment mm-hmm. period. And we actually tell people that even if things are going really well, you like your prescription coverage, you have no concerns still call us and have us renew it for the next, or at least review it for the next year, because part D changes more frequently than anything else. And you, or you might find that your pharmacy next year isn't in network or isn't a preferred pharmacy. Mm. So it always is going to behoove you to review that and see what's going to be best for you. And and we do see switching a lot back and forth and that's fine with mm. part D. Hmm. So, so Jamie, I know we uh, just kind of following up to what Curtis just said too, is so kind of getting on Medicare was part of it, changing Medicare. So I guess I want to ask a question because this, this some obviously happens for lots of people is all of a sudden maybe their asset level may dictate that they might be eligible for something like Maine care. I know we're in the state of Maine, of course. So, so getting to maybe a different level of coverage. So what's that process? I know what you said about, Hey, I'm going from private insurance as I'm working and we need to unravel maybe marketplace and over to Medicare. But what about the process of I'm on Medicare and maybe I think I'm now eligible for something like Maine care. Like what's that process to go from Medicare to like a main care? So typically what we see is that people are already on main care and then they're becoming eligible for Medicare. And the way that it's looked at is main care and Medicare are on a very coverage, the same level when it comes to coverage. And so anybody who's on main care and they're now eligible for Medicare, they're expected to switch to Medicare and then they can get on that that Medicare savings program. Mm. Gotcha. Got it. Okay. Okay. All right. I want to go back to now my next, sorry, we went on a little tangent there, but I think it was important. (laughs) Um, So obviously a big part of kind of all financial related conversations is this fear of fraud or, you know, elder Mm -hmm. abuse kind of, it's never seems to be going away. So I want to ask how can, can people, protect themselves uh, from someone defrauding their Medicare benefit. And it, you know, it may be helpful if you could share examples of ways that people have been defrauded of Medicare. Like how does someone Mm -hmm. get defrauded from Medicare? Sure. We also contract with SMP or senior Medicare patrol. So fraud and abuse is something we're always doing on in addition to Medicare. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I've sat there when people have come in and said, you know, I I just gave out my social security number and I don't know what to do. And you're just, your heart just goes out to them. And once again, this is a judgment free zone. So we want people to come in. Uh, We certainly, you know, people feel that initial shame and we just kind of want to tell people that's a human reaction, but come see us and let us walk you through it. We have websites, we have numbers that you can contact to help freeze your accounts, report that, uh, that fraud and kind of help you on your way to make sure that it kind of stops as, as quickly as possible. We are always telling people, you know, don't, don't answer your phone. If you don't recognize the number, yeah. if, if it's an important number and somebody that you do know, and they just change their, their phone number and it's whoever it is that they need to reach you, they'll leave you a message. Most likely. I I really always hate to give scammers credit, but they're really good at what they're due because they're scammers. Uh, So we tell people that it doesn't matter your, your level of education. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you did for a job. Like I've seen people who have great degrees that within almost getting scammed Yeah. because with scammers, I remember going to a training, they said one of the things that they, that they do is within that five to 10 second initial contact, they've already earned your trust. Oh, yeah. They have that wording just right to make it believable. And uh, so that it's one of those things where you always have to be on guard. So it's kind of going back to the basics. Don't feel ob- if you uh, see an email that you don't know, don't open it. Mm-hmm. Don't answer, you know, phone, don't feel obligated to give out your personal information. Ask those questions. Who are you? Why are you calling me? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, ask them what their number is and call back and see what you get. Yeah. And a lot of times they're not going to, they're going to just hang up. Yeah. If, 
And we tell people, well, don't give out your information. Just don't. Yeah. So Jamie, I guess the question is as well as, so, because again, to me, it doesn't seem like an obvious question is how can someone get their Medicare benefit defrauded from them? I, I guess what I would maybe just kind of ask off the top of my head is it someone maybe filing a claim like they posed as you, like I had knee surgery and I'm saying I'm Jamie and I submit a claim because I had your social security number. And I said, all right, submit all this to Jamie's profile. Is that where you would see like be someone being defrauded on Medicare? Sometimes, you know, there are people that are using other Medicare numbers and, you know, we not so much main, it mains kind of one of I, scam there scammers happen here but you know you see it higher in other states but yeah sometimes people misuse medicare numbers and it was also one of the reasons why they switched a couple of years ago from it being our social security numbers with an a at the end to a mix of letters and numbers so you're not just giving out or saying your yeah. social security number everywhere yeah yeah it's kind of another layer of protection but that's why we also tell people to check your Medicare summary notices that it's going to tell you what when you saw the doctor and what it, you were it was what Medicare was billed for and we have pamphlets that we give out freely no cost that we tell people when you go to the doctor jot that down so that you know on April 29th you went and had a physical mm-hmm. on July 17th you went and had you know a consultation about a knee surgery or whatever mm-hmm. and so when you get your summary notices you can compare them um, yeah. we have had people that um, and I use this example during our one-on-ones there was a man who uh, checked out his Medicare summary notice and saw that he was billed for hysterectomy and he's like well that never <laughs> happens yeah. and was able to report it and what they look at is also intent. Sometimes billing, you know, we're all human, Mm, human error happens. Sometimes you just need to say, hey, you billed this wrong and the mistake is rectified. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had somebody who was going to be denied knee surgery because Medicare had been billed that he had already received an amputation and they're going, why would we pay for a knee surgery if Mm. you don't have any? Oh, it's still attached. It was billed wrong and you need to fix that. So it's great for those to watch out for human error, which that goes under that umbrella of fraud, error and abuse. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. you're also keeping an eye on for any intentional fraudulent um, action. So, Jamie, um, I've gotten introduced to... um, to the Eastern Area Agency of Aging's uh, Executive Director, Rebecca Kirk. Yes. She's awesome. Yes. She's yes. she's really fantastic. A lot of passion for, mm-hmm. for the organization. And just, just like you, I can, so I can see where you guys uh, fit pretty well together. Uh, but one of our questions here is, obviously, we're doing our financial plan, right? Mm-hmm. Is people save money over their entire lives. They're thinking about how long is my money going to last? They're saying things like, obviously, Social Security and Medicare won't be there when I retire, right? So then they even think, well, I have to save even more. And they, they've been told, and this has been our experience too, is that many company retirement plan discussions, they really talk employees into saving more into their retirement accounts because they're told that they, they really, they're going to be catastrophic costs in retirement and you're going to have all this out-of-pocket happening. And on a recent episode, we actually had um, a financial planning expert from T.O. Price come on. And he looked at all the data and he's saying, hey, the majority of the time that story isn't true, mm-hmm. that it's really the people's healthcare costs is really contained to Medicare premiums and then a little bit more modest out-of-pocket costs. So I want to kind of stress test that, right? He's saying globally, here's what I see. But Jamie, you're 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 obviously talking to Mainers. You, you're the boots on the ground. You're giving the education. You're kind of hearing what's happening. What's been your experience with the Mainers that you've counseled? Is that held true from a you know, it's really mostly what that's what they're paying for, or no, that's not true. What what people are being counseled from their 401k or 403b providers are, yeah, there's major catastrophic costs happening that people are are really paying for. What what, what have you seen? I've seen, I, I've heard that same lingo of, you know, that kind of that global of, you know, it, it's, it's not going to be as catastrophic if the sky is falling type of, of scenario, but people are genuinely concerned, especially even when we have adults, uh, children coming in with their parents and they're going, okay, I'm hearing what the costs are now. What is this going to look like in 10, 20, 30 years? Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say it's, it's certainly something that it's projected that, you know, costs will go up. 
Um, it's projected that, you know, the amount of people over the course of the next 20 to 20 years is going to be uh, quite substantial of the amount of people that are going to be on the Medicare program. But it's it's a hard question to, to answer other than the fact that, you know, it's it doesn't go unnoticed. People are concerned. People wonder. But we also point back to, you know, we have to talk to the experts and listen to what the experts are saying that if globally that it's going to be sustainable, then there's not much we can do. But kind of you hate to say wait and see, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's wait and see yeah. mm-hmm. and, uh, and figure it out from at that point and plan ahead as much as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I want to ask a question, sort of, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see people make when they're, you know, new to claiming Medicare? And then kind of a follow up is, do you see sort of mistakes happen more as someone ages maybe in going through that kind of enrollment or re-enrollment process as they age? I think one of the the more common ones is people assume. People assume it's going to be free. People assume it's going to be automatic. People assume uh, their current coverage is going to be creditable. Uh, There was a person who I met with a while back who assumed that their coverage was going to be creditable. And then five years later was hit with steep penalties because Mm -hmm. five years ago they should have enrolled. And so I tell people don't assume anything. There's no wrong question. Uh, We'd rather you, we'd rather over explain and you over ask questions. than you walk away going, Oh, well, I I don't know. Ask those questions now. Let's kind of get it out on, on, and out in the open. So we just tell people just, just don't assume anything. Come see us as many times as you need to. And we'll, we'll walk you through. We'll crunch some numbers. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. No, I like that. That's, I mean, obviously great advice. And you guys are such a great resource that, I mean, it, now's the time to use the resource, right? And instead mm-hmm. of when it's too late. So I want to kind of change gears here, Jamie. Um, so we've kind of reached the end of our, our conversation. Um, we do have one question left that we like to ask all of our guests. So obviously the name of our show is Retirement Success in Maine podcast. So I want to ask you, how will you define or find or what is a successful retirement to you. So I guess fast forward to when you get to retirement age, what will be that successful retirement for you? For me will be a place you know, I'm at that place in, in my career, you know, I'm looking ahead, trying to save as much as I possibly can and looking mm-hmm. at the here and now and, you know, years down the road, I, I guess, you know, being able to step away from a career that I'm proud of, passing it along to somebody who has just as much passion and can carry the torch um, and being able to, you know, spend time with family and travel and the things that we all want to do, but do it in a way that's kind of like with the retirement, as you guys know, it's that sustainability of, you don't want to see that drastic drop of, okay, you're used to this life, but now you're going to have to make a lot of changes. It's how do you carry that over of this is the life I'm used to, and this is the life I want to continue to live. And that's what I'm shooting for personally, so that you can relax and enjoy your life riding off into the sunset without feeling that financial strain. That's great. Jamie, that's that's a that's a great answer. We really can't thank you enough for coming in and really discussing the the ins and outs of Medicare with us. And and again, I know there's this is gonna change, you know, every year and things are gonna be added and moved and worked around. But I think what you really did successfully here for us today is really provide the structure of when somebody has questions, Mm -hmm. when they're trying to figure out what their situation is and what they should best do, where to go for advice, I think Mm -hmm. is the most important thing we wanted people to take away. And I know you, you really nailed that part for us today. So um, Eastern area and aging again has a really big footprint with four for very large counties, but there's a lot of really great area agency and aging throughout the state of Maine. All of them you can contact. Depend doesn't matter where you're listening. That's a that's a really great resource to use. So, so Jamie, I think on behalf of all the area agencies and aging, I think you did a fantastic job representing it. So thank you so much, yeah. and uh, love to connect with you maybe down the road when we can hear a little bit more about uh, maybe Medicare 102. So once we gra- we've graduated the beginner right. class yeah, we, we can right. go a little bit intermediate for you so that would be excellent but um we will catch you next time thank you so much thank you for having me
So we're really excited to have Janie Alexiev on the, the podcast today from Eastern Area Agency on Aging. I just like to prove to myself I can say that because <laughs> yeah. it's such a tongue twister. I'm, I'm done but, saying um, that on yes, from here on out. E-Triple-A, we learned today. We got <laughs> we to gotta use the, the acronym there. It's way easier to say. But um, yeah, we really wanted to talk about Medicare and, and obviously there's, there's kind of like getting off our own personal like insurance or organizations or employers or going a uh, marketplace and, you know, how do you kind of transition back and forth? And also what about Medicare, like traditional Medicare yeah. versus Medicare Advantage, right? And, and right. kind of going back and forth, lots of, lots of things that continue to change. And we, we obviously know when we did this show today that every year, things are going to be a little bit different, right? That yeah. there's going to be new things that are coming up. This all, It's all very nuanced. But I think Jamie did a really great job today of walking us through those changes and, and things that we should just be aware of. And, and again, I, I think the biggest highlight is to say, hey, if you have questions and you really need help walking through it, yeah. there's people there. That's right. um, you can go reach out to do that. So I know we have resources we like to point people to. So Curtis, where can people go to find a little bit more information about uh, uh, from today's show, but also re- getting in contact with EAAA? Yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously, we like to kind of publish a, that blog website with our um, all of our episodes. So that website is blog.guidancepoint llc.com backslash 65 right episode 65 it's medicare day around here um Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. on there we'll have um again a quick kind of summary of the show we'll have resources there um obviously contact info for eAAA some medicare.org uh uh, medicare.gov excuse me um links there so feel free to check that out and uh yeah that's what that's what we got yeah well well, thanks, Curtis. And I know we wanted to just obviously thank Jamie again for coming on. I think she did a fantastic job of of walking us through where everything was at. And um, again, there, I think as financial advisors, these are things that you know we try to help where we can. But Medicare isn't our first uh, hand knowledge of of what to do and how to do it, and kind of doing that. Uh, so again, we want to make sure it fits into our clients' financial plans. But having experts like Jamie that sure. we can reach out to is really valuable and important. So we really appreciate you tuning in today. We really hope you're outside enjoying some of this lovely weather in Maine. Um, And I know it's getting warm out. So go outside, soak up some sun, and we'll catch you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisor's mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.